I do want to correct the record that the um, most fun thing at the Family Fun Fest was the dunk tank. Okay, it really wasn't. The, the best thing was actually the kettle corn. Uh, we had a guy come and do kettle corn, which was really neat, uh, very, very tasty. So I hope you were able to take part in that. And I want to thank all the folks that jumped in and helped. We had a number of people who jumped in and helped with the event. So thank you so much for your, your service and your time. Many of you know I grew up about 30 minutes from here in the booming metropolis of Big Prairie. Uh, we lived on County Road 51 between Big Prairie and Shreve, and I can't remember exactly how old I was. I was either in middle school or high school, but I do know one particular day I was running late, and I was running late uh, to basketball practice. And if you've ever played sports on a school team, you know that if you're late, that probably means you're going to run a lot. And so my dad and I, we rushed to the garage to get in the car to leave. My dad threw it in reverse and wham! In our hurry to get me to practice, we forgot to put up the garage door. Now, anyone, anyone ever done that and, and are willing to admit that you've done that? Okay. It's, uh, it's kind of an expensive deal, right? But I'll, I'll never forget what my dad said to me as we were trying to get the now bent garage door up and out of the way. He said, John, this is what happens when you're in a hurry. This is what happens when you're in a hurry. We crash into things, don't we? Maybe even literally. It costs us financially and in other ways. We forget what we need to do in the moment because we're not present in the moment. Today, we're starting a new series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's based on a book by John Mark Comer. You may want to pick up a copy. It's a really good read. It's a book about slowing down and finding rest in the midst of our fast-paced, busy culture. Now, busyness in and of itself is not bad, but there's a difference between a life that is full and a busy life that is hurried. Here's how John Mark Comer explains the difference. He writes, there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with things that matter, not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits, the problem isn't when you have a lot to do, it's when you have too much to do and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry. So in this series, we want to explore the difference between a life that's full and a life that's hurried. We're going to talk about some practical ways to not only know the difference, but to also hopefully ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. There's a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. He was a former professor at USC also written uh, various books on spiritual formation, he once said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And the reality is too many of us suffer from what Willard calls hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is always striving but never arriving, always striving, but never arriving. Ever feel that way? I know I have. And the real danger of hurry sickness 
is that it cuts off our relationship or our connection to God and to each other and even to our own souls. Now, if you wonder if, if you're suffering from hurry sickness, I want you to consider these possible symptoms, and these are in Comer's book. The first one is, how, how about frequent irritability? Do you, do you find yourself easily agitated or quickly frustrated? Have you found yourself reacting more with anger lately? What about this symptom, emotional numbness? Do you feel unmoved by things that used to matter to you? Do you find it hard to care about somebody else's pain? Here's another symptom, disordered priorities. Do you feel busier than ever, but, but still feel like you, you just don't have time for the things that really matter? Do you feel like you're always reactive, rarely proactive? Are you displaying any escapist behaviors? Do you find yourself trying to escape through binge-watching TV or through overeating or maybe even over-drinking? And then finally, do you feel spiritual apathy? Do the things that keep you close to God often get put to the side? I mean, how, how long has it been since you spent any meaningful extended time in prayer or reflection on Scripture? Now, I don't say these things to give you a guilt trip or to shame you, but I just think we need to pause for a moment today and just take a quick inventory. I want you to look at, at these symptoms. Do they describe you? As I look at these symptoms and have thought about them, I, I can definitely see signs of hurry sickness in my life. I, I hate to admit it, but there have been times over the past several months when I'm not super fun to be around. I would call that irritable. And escapist behaviors, yeah, there, there have been times when I just want to veg out in front of the TV and not be bothered by anyone or anything. But what's frustrating for me is, in spite of what I know to be right and true, I still often live like my hurriedness will yield some sort of positive result when the truth is, this striving but never arriving, it takes a toll. It takes a toll. And one way it takes a toll is that hurry actually affects our body. I want you to think about it. When you're hurried, your adrenaline pumps up. Uh, it settles in your chest, kind of making it tight, right? Uh, there's a pit in your stomach, maybe even making you nauseous. Your jaw is fixed. Your shoulders are tense. And in all these ways, your body is telling you, hey, there's something you need to pay attention to. And it might just be hurry sickness. But not only that, this striving but never arriving, it also affects our soul. We convince ourselves that what matters most is the urgent, the here and now. But then we don't take time to be with God in prayer or to reflect on his word. I want you to ask yourself and, and be honest, okay? Do you feel the effects of hurry sickness in your life? Do you feel those effects? Would you say that the rhythms of your life may be causing damage to your body and soul? And if so, do you long for something different? Do you long for something sustainable? Do you long for something more restful?
Well, if your answer is yes, I've got some good news for you today, and we've got hopefully some good news for you in this series. Jesus offers a better way, and it's a way that doesn't just relieve us of our hurry, it's actually a way for us to experience real rest. You know, that word rest kind of sounds like the way it's supposed to feel, doesn't it? I want us to say it together on the count of three, but I don't want us to say it um, quickly. I want us to say it slowly and quietly. Kind of let it linger between your tongue and the roof of your mouth as you exhale, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Rest. Yeah. Let's do that again. One, two, three. Rest. See, believe it or not, Jesus has something to say about rest. Rest. He says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Jesus invites us to come to him, to lay our burdens at his feet, and he says, we will find rest. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? What a relief that would be. But then, look at what Jesus says. Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. There's that word again. You will find rest for your souls. Now, in Jesus' day, a yoke, and you've probably seen this before, was, was a wooden frame, right? It looked something like this on the screen. You would hold two animals together with, with this wooden frame so they could work more efficiently. And so often an ox would be brought in and custom measurements would be taken to ensure a yoke would fit that particular ox. Then the yoke was roughed out of wood and the ox would be brought back in to try, try it on and the yoke would be carefully adjusted so it would fit just right. That it wouldn't rub against the ox and cause any pain or injury. Jesus explains how this yoke leads to, to rest when he described it this way. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus uses that word easy here, what he's actually saying is it's well-fitting. It's well-fitting. His yoke, his way of life doesn't remove the work, no. It actually, what it does is it actually makes the work easier and lighter. It, it's well-fitting. And Jesus is saying the same thing that he said back in Matthew 11 to us today. The life I give you is not meant to be a burden that weighs you down or rubs you wrong. The life I want for you is made to fit you. It's a custom fit. But, and this is huge, it's not our design, but it's his design. It's his yoke. Now, I, I don't know what your yoke, quote unquote, feels like, but for too many people, I've observed, and, and including myself sometimes, this yoke, the way we go about living our lives, it's not working very well. It's not easy. It's not light. 
And for many, it's because of this hurry sickness. And it's not so much that, um, at least for some of us, that our, our schedule is packed, but we have this hurried and distracted heart. Last Sunday, we had um, Dr. Jody Owens here as a guest speaker. He's a professor at Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, my son Noah actually has a class with him this semester called Orientation to Old Testament. And so hopefully Noah is getting orientated. Uh, Beth and I showed Dr. Owens a picture of our son last week to make sure he recognized him and was going to class. (laughs) Just kidding, we didn't do that. But Dr. Owen shared with us something called the cycle of grace. The cycle of grace. And if you weren't able to be here last Sunday, you need to visit our YouTube page and watch the message. It was excellent. The cycle of grace is a transformational way to view our relationship with God and really the Christian life as a whole. Because oftentimes we get it backwards. Instead of living in a cycle of grace... We often get stuck in a cycle of works. Instead of living under the yoke of Jesus and and finding that rest, we often get stuck in a cycle of hurry and a disordered heart. And it can be a heavy burden that weighs us down. And so I want to encourage you today to take off that yoke of performance, remove that yoke of perfection, lay down that yoke of achievement, that yoke of guilt, maybe the yoke of never measuring up. Because if it's not the yoke of Jesus, I can guarantee you it's wearing you down and it's rubbing you raw. And so what we need to do instead is we need to take on the grace-filled, light and easy yoke of Jesus. Eugene Peterson I really like his take on Jesus' words in the message paraphrase. Jesus is speaking again, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Peterson, said, Peterson uh, paraphrases this way. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, that's so good. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Jesus says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? But how do we live into that design? How, how, do, we, how do we live in the easy and light unforced rhythms of grace. Well, there's a yoke or framework that followers of Jesus have used for centuries. It's called a rule of life. And uh, don't don't let that uh, title scare you away, okay? A rule of life is simply a schedule, a set of practices that help us slow down and avoid getting sucked into the hurry of life. Pastor and author Pete Scazzaro who has his own story of burnout and hurry sickness, explains it this way. He says, the term rule of life has its linguistic roots in an ancient Greek word that means trellis. It is a support structure 
that helps us grow up and abide in Christ. This in turn enables our lives to thrive spiritually and be abundantly fruitful. Now, please understand, adopting a rule of life isn't about adding something else onto your life. No, a rule of life really helps us figure out what doesn't fit so that we can live into those unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus wants for us. You know, when I, when I think of a trellis and I think of the, the vine and the branches that grow and are supported on it, I, I think of Jesus' words in John 15. He says this, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, we've got to abide. We've got to remain in him. And so, as we kick this series off today, as a first step and takeaway, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to develop a rule of life. And to help with this, we want to look at four areas of our lives that come from Luke's description of how Jesus grew. Luke writes in Luke 2.52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We see here that Jesus grew relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's RPMs for short. We're doing a series on hurry. We're going to look at this through the lens of RPMs, all right? Let's slow down our RPMs. Relational, physical, mental, and spiritual. RPMs provides a, a framework or a trellis for developing a rule of life. Uh, this image on the screen that you see up here, these four boxes, it's on your message notes uh, on the back of your bulletin today. You can check that out. But I just kind of want to show you what this could look like. I want to share some things that I'm working on as a part of my own rule of life to kind of give you an idea of how this works, okay? Number one, first, relational. Under the relational box, I've got this weekly lunch date with my wife, Beth, every Friday. Uh, we might miss a Friday here and there, but especially during the school year, we go out to lunch every single week on Friday, and that's an important part of my relational rule of life. Starting tonight, my wife and I are leading a new small group. We're going through uh, the material for ruthless elimination of hurry. We're looking forward to connecting with some folks relationally in that group setting. Next is physical. I've got to tell you that my diet and exercise regimen has been pretty abysmal lately. And so I, I need to get back on track with that. Um, just eating right and, and exercising daily. I do try to get at least seven hours of sleep each night unless the Buckeyes game is on late, okay? Right? O-H? Yo, I'm sorry for you Notre Dame fans. Um, but anyway, but what, what does this physical box look like for you? What's this rule of life, this trellis, okay? Then there's mental. I've got a goal to read 20 minutes a day. Right now I'm reading a biography on Samuel Adams, one of the founding fathers of our country. It's pretty interesting. I'm also listening to an audio book called Atomic Habits, and then I, I also try to regularly listen to two to three different podcasts. 
One of my favorites right now is by John Acuff called All It Takes Is a Goal. And uh, Acuff just makes me laugh, which is always good for my mental health. Mental. But then finally there's, there's spiritual. And for me, this includes about 30 minutes, give or take, of quiet, reflected Bible reading and prayer. And I try to do that regularly, at least five days a week. I've got a friend and mentor that has a, an email signature that says this. It says, my one primary responsibility today is to spend quality time with God. Man, I, I just think that should be the mantra of every follower of Jesus. That my one primary responsibility today, above everything else that's going on, is to spend quality time with God. And then... Like many of you, I've got weekly worship here at OCC. I try to show up on Sundays from time to time, you know. Now, th this is just a snapshot. It's not my entire rule of life. I need to develop it more. But I hope it's helpful as you consider what it might look like for you. And again, the intention here is not to give you more to do, but to bring structure, to build a sort of trellis for your life that will help you grow so you're not just always striving and never arriving. I wanna challenge you to develop a rule of life. Spend some time this week thinking about it, developing it. How are you using your time? Have you let some of these things maybe slip and you need to reset? If you'd like a, a blank rule of life template, to use based on the RPMs. We've made one for you. Just text RPMs to the number on the screen. We'll send you a link to download it or you can get one back at the next step area today. Just take that little half sheet, use it. I think it'll be helpful. You know, Jesus wants to help us find those unforced rhythms of grace that give us a healthy, unhurried heart and pace. And that's why he says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Over the next four weeks, we're gonna try to paint a picture of what it looks like to ruthlessly eliminate hurry so that we can experience more of the life that Jesus has for us. We're gonna talk about, next week, we're gonna talk about solitude, an intentional time with God, just you and Him, where you can reflect deeply. And the following week, we're gonna look at uh, Sabbath, and explore why God wants this for us so much that he put it in his top 10 commands. And then in the following weeks, we're gonna to speak to the ideas of simplicity and slowing, slowing down. Friends, as, as I look at our culture, just kind of where we are, where we're going, man, I, I think that now perhaps more than ever, we need this. Because we're, when we're in a hurry, guess what? We crash into things, maybe even literally. It costs us financially and in other ways. 
we forget what we need to do in the moment because we're not present in the moment. And so I hope you'll join us every week in this series as we seek to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives because hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we we just humbly come to you today and we ask that you would help us. You'd help us to slow down. Help us to come to you this week and reflect on the trajectory of our lives. May we take on Jesus' yoke and learn from him and not get sucked into the vortex of our own agendas or the speed of our culture. Father, help us to learn those unforced rhythms of grace. And thank you, Father, that in you, we really can find rest, both now and forever. Father, as we respond right now, I pray that you would just help us take whatever next step we need to take to get closer to you and to your son. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name.